I'm reading from the NIV version. The Bible says when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? They asked. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother named Mary? And are not his brothers, uh, brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Are not his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did, he did not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. Father, we give you praise this morning. We give you glory. We give you honor and shine of this. We thank you for the word you're about bringing to us this morning. We know that the entrance of your word brings life and it gives understanding to the simple. Take all the glory this morning. Take all the honor in the name of Jesus. I said in the name of Jesus. You may be seated. This morning, I'd like to talk to you on what I captioned. How do you see God? We started a series three weeks ago. The first message was about how do you, how far can you see? In Genesis chapter 13, the Lord said to Abraham, look at the land as far as you can see. I am giving it to you and your descendants forever. And we established that day that what you don't see, the Lord cannot give it to you. I said, what you perceive, you conceive. And what you picture, you will capture. So if you don't see anything this year, God is not going to give you anything. So as we begin this January, I encourage you to see yourself this year prospering. See yourself succeeding. See yourself in good health. See yourself making that money you were dreaming about. Because if you don't see it, the Lord cannot give it to you. And in the second series we said, how do you see yourself? Because it is one thing to see what you see. But what actually makes you achieve what you see is how you see yourself. If you always see yourself as a follower, you will never be a leader. If you always see yourself as a disappointment, you will never get to the place where God has ordained for you. There are people who always see themselves failing. They see themselves always expecting disappointments. They see themselves as, as the lowest. They even confess, like, my own things never work. My own things are always struggles and never succeed. As long as you keep seeing yourself this way, you are never going to get to the place where God has for you. But when you start seeing yourself in the light of what God has said about you, you are a child of God. You are a prince. You are a daughter of Zion. God has anointed you a favor. Once you begin to see yourself that way, good things are coming your way. You know, there is, a, there, is a, there is a way you carry yourself and you go to an interview and you walk into the room with confidence like you know this job is mine. But when you come in sweating, you are shaking, they ask you a question, what is your name? You start giving your date of birth. You, they know you don't deserve this job. But when you know who you are and you see yourself the way God sees you, you walk into the room with your hands in your pocket. Good morning, sir. You are confident because what God says about you is what is final. Tell the neighbor, see yourself well. Tell the neighbor, see yourself well. Listen, what you wear and what you have does not define you. Where you stay does not define you. What defines you is your content inside. 
Is somebody hearing me this morning? Yeah. Where you come from does not define you. Your background does not define you. I used to say, don't allow your background to put your back on the ground. Because God does not judge your future based on your past. God judges your future based on his word. You may be an orphan. You may be raised by a single parent. It doesn't matter. Your destiny is in the hands of God. Amen. So see yourself well. Hallelujah. Any morning you get up, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I look good. Hallelujah. Maybe somebody broke up with you in the past. They thought you were nothing. They don't know what they are missing right now. Tell yourself, I look good. That is your just means something that you regret. Hallelujah. Amen. See yourself well. But when you don't see yourself well, you have inferiority complex. The moment somebody dumped you, you spend three years crying because you don't know the value that God has placed over your life. Hallelujah. Amen. See yourself well. And the third thing we are talking about today is, how do you see God? Because if you can see far and see yourself well, but you don't see God the way you're supposed to see God, then you will not get to the place where you're supposed to go. Generally, people have different ways that they see God. You have people who say God is universe, the universe. So people pray to the universe. Or God is some supreme powers. But for those who have the right attitude towards God, they know how to see God well. Generally, like I said, there are two ways people see God. Some people see God as a savior, which means they run to God in the time of trouble. One time I was in a vehicle, and there were people smoking, drinking, cursing. And then as we were driving, an accident was about to happen. I saw the people that were drinking in the beginning, smoking, they were all screaming, Jesus, Jesus, everybody became a Christian because an accident was about to happen. There are people who see God only as a savior. When they're in trouble, they call upon his name. When things are tight, they call upon his name. But the moment things get clear, away with Jesus. Then there are others who see Jesus as law. Meaning whether things are bad or good, they still love him. Whether they are favored or not, they still love him. Whether they are blessed or not, they still love him. And that is how we have to see God. An example of this in the Bible is the two thieves that were crucified with Jesus. One saw Jesus as a savior. One saw Jesus as Lord. The one who saw Jesus as a savior said, if you are truly God, deliver yourself and deliver us. And the one who, was, who saw God as a Lord said, don't you fear God? And he said, Master, remember me today in your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you shall be with me in paradise. And maybe, I'm, I'm, it may be shocking to know that those who see Jesus as savior will not get to heaven. It is those who see him as Lord. Remember in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus says, Not all who say to me, Lord, 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 shall enter the kingdom of heaven. So it is when you see him as Lord that you get access into heaven. When you see him as Savior, you get benefits on the earth. He will heal you. He will deliver you. He will prosper you. But until you see him as Lord, you are not making it into heaven. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Ask neighbor, neighbor, how do you see God? Ask neighbor, neighbor, how do you see God? Hallelujah. In verse 53 of the text we read this morning, the Bible says that when Jesus had finished teaching these parables, he moved on from there. Now, parables in the Bibles are not true stories. They are fictions that are used to express an idea. So every time Jesus told a parable, it was not actually a real story. It was a creative story to express an idea. And parables in the Bible are meant for those who are interested in the truth. Because the Bible says, I speak in parables, so that in hearing, they will not understand. And then you ask yourself, if you are 
teaching, how do you speak in a language that people will not understand? Because Jesus realized that not everyone who hears is interested in the truth. There are people who hear, but they have no intention of practicing what they hear. Until you set your mind to hear and to do what God wants you to do, the Bible will make no sense to you. That is why some people say the Bible is confusing, because their minds are not about obeying what the Lord says. So when they read it, it sounds confusing. But if you set your mind to know what God wants to teach you, the Bible starts making sense. If you read the book of Daniel, when the angel of the Lord came to Daniel to give Daniel the answer to his prayers, he said, Daniel, from the day you set your mind to understand the things of God, your prayers will answer. So anytime you set your mind to understand the scriptures, the Bible will become a revelation that is clear to you. The Bible says, coming from his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where did this man get all these miraculous powers? They asked. How could he do such thing? They asked. One of the most difficult places to succeed, whether it's in your business or in your career, is at home. Somebody said that it takes uh, a person a hundred miles away from home to be an expert. What does that mean? Because anything you do around home, people always see you from the past. That little girl we saw growing up in this neighborhood, now she's starting a business, they don't take you serious. But in another state, in another town, they look at you with your potential. But the people that you grew up with, they just see like that little girl we saw growing up in Manasseh, now she's starting a business, they don't take you seriously. And that is how many people have been, been, been deceived and robbed off of their blessings because they, they see people based on their past and not on the future. And then they, go for, they went further to say, is this not the carpenter's son? It's not his mother named Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, and Simon. The mention of his siblings in this text shows that they knew Jesus well. If somebody can mention all your siblings, including your brothers and sisters, it means they know you very well. And it was a way to despise Jesus. You know, the only... This also showed that Mary had many other kids besides Jesus. Because there are some teachings that go on that Mary died a virgin. And we see from this text that Mary has other children beside Jesus. Mary did not go to heaven as a, as a virgin. Mary was a regular woman like every woman in this church. The privilege she had was that she was able to give birth to the Messiah. So any teaching that says that Mary died a virgin is actually a deception. But one thing is interesting in this text is that Joseph is not mentioned among all the people mentioned in this text. Because according to these people, even though Jesus was renowned, they could still remember that he was the child without a father. They remember that the mother said, I, was, I, I conceived this child by the spirit. So according to them, this child had no father. He was a bastard. That is why even as they were talking about his descendants, they did not mention his father. It was a way to ridicule Jesus. Sometimes people will use your past to bring you down. But I want to tell you this morning, never allow a man to define you by your past. Hallelujah. Don't allow any man to define you by your past. They went further to say, are not his sisters with us? Where did he get all these miraculous powers? Jesus was too poor that the people thought he could not afford the miraculous. That you are too poor that they know that you cannot buy things with money. But when it comes to, when it comes to spiritual things, they think that even the poor people cannot afford the spiritual. And so they wondered. We know the sisters, they are all living here. They are all local people, miserable. Where did he get these powers from? They ask all these questions. Like I said, people will judge you, will respect your background. 
but God judges you with respect to your future. Amen. Don't allow your background to put your back on the ground. Don't allow where you came from to define where God is taking you to. And the Bible says, lastly, they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is without honor except in his own town and in his own home. You know, they were offended at Jesus because he had supernatural powers and he came from a poor family. Do you know sometimes everybody else can succeed and it will be fine. But when you succeed, some people get offended because they know you. Look at this classmate. Too. This girl is on Facebook talking about she's going international. I know this girl now. We're Nova together. If every, if every other person succeeds, it's fine. But when it is you that they know, it's a problem. Look at it. We're in primary school together. And now he's bragging on Facebook that he's starting a company. Oh, these children. These children. They don't take you serious because they know. But if any other person succeeds, it is fine. I was in 1994. The Prime Minister then of Cameroon called Simon Achidi Achu came to visit. And then in this field in a town called Tiko in Cameroon, while he was addressing the speech, there was an old man standing beside me. And the man was very angry. And I was wondering, why is this man grumbling and grumbling and the Prime Minister is talking? Then I realized that this old man was a, prime, was a classmate of the Prime Minister. And so while the Prime Minister walked in with all that protocol and the entourage, with all the bodyguards, he was so offended. He said, see me Achidi. See me Simon. I said, you were like Simon, why don't you become the Prime Minister yourself? The guy was so offended that he was, he was giving all this respect. Don't allow people to despise you. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't allow people to despise you. Then Jesus responded and said, a prophet is without honor in his hometown. To others, Jesus was a messiah. But to his people, he was a carpenter. They didn't see nothing about him. And this is a tragedy that can also happen in families where family members tend to despise even their own people. You grow up in a family. Like I have people in my family till today who still call me daddy. I mean, as old as I am, they still see me as that little boy that they took care of the chain diapers. No matter how they preaching and preaching, they say, oh, look at him, he has grown. They don't see nothing. And sometimes your eyes can be blinded to what God is doing based on how you knew somebody. Don't see people in the flesh. See them in the spirit. Hallelujah. See them in the spirit. The Bible says in verse 58 that Jesus did less miracles because of their lack of faith. Jesus did not do less miracles because his power reduced. He did less miracles because the perception of the people reduced. In other words, the way you see God is going to determine what God can do for you. If you see God less, you get less. If you see God more, you get more. Nothing can stop the plan of God for your life except you. Let me say that again. Nothing can stop the plan of God for your life except you. The devil cannot stop God's plan for your life. No man can stop God's plan for your life, but you can stop God's plan for your life. If you start walking in unbelief and not believing God for the things he has promised you, then you will stop God's plan for your own life. But I came to tell you this morning that God is up to something in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus was God. In the Bible, Jesus was both man and both God. I can show you this from the Bible. When Jesus was at the well in John chapter 4, talking to the woman at the well, he said to the woman, give me some water to drink. Because he was actually testing. So as man, he was testing. Then in the conversation, he said to the woman, if you believe in me, 
The water that I give you, you will never taste again. So as man, he was thirsty. But as God, he is the fountain of living water. As a man, he was born by a woman. But as God, he created the woman. The Bible says, without him, nothing was made that is made. As man, he was tired. But as God, he gives strength to those who are weak. He had two natures operating in him at the same time. But the people that Jesus grew up with did not see his divinity. All they saw was his humanity. They saw his weaknesses. They saw the things he struggled with. They saw the fact that the mother conceived without a husband. And like that, it was the Holy Spirit. And so that is how they see Jesus. But there was something much more about Jesus. When we read the Bible today, we think these people were crazy. But even today, many of our views about God has been distorted. We don't see God the way we ought to see God. Some of us in this place see God just, as I said, a distant friend that is so difficult to attain. God is so far, we can't get close to God. Some of us see God as a weekend date. As you leave this place now, you fold your Bible, you close it. It's next Sunday again you think about God because it's your weekend date. You catch him at, during the weekend. Some of us see God as a friend in trouble. When we are in trouble, we remember God, we come to pray. That is when we start fasting. We, we turn to all the TV channels that have preachers preaching. We are so spiritual during that season. The moment that trouble is over, we go back to our normal life. Some of us see God as, as a disciplined master who has a cane in his hand, ready to whip you for every mistake you make. So once you commit a crime, all your prayers, oh God, forgive me. You ask God for forgiveness for one month. Because according to you, God is so angry that he's about to kill you. If your view about God is not right, you cannot receive from God. So I beg on you this morning to see God the way he wants you to see it. Some of us see God as a bodyguard. When we are about to travel, you know, one of the places I see people pray always is in the plane. Everybody's like, because the plane may crash. So everybody remembers God. God has said, fly, take care of me, because God is your bodyguard. Some of us see God as a doctor. When we are sick, and maybe we are admitted at the hospital, that's when we think about God. You start singing hymns that you were taught in Sunday school, that you forgot. You are mixing Jesus with Satan in the same hymns because you're trying to get close to God. You're thinking, if I die now, maybe I may see him. Let your view about God change today in the name of Jesus. Amen. There are three things that will affect the way you see God. The way you see God will affect three things in your life. Number one, your attitude towards him. Your attitude towards God will determine how you see God. Now, if you read verse 57 of this text, the Bible said they took offense at Jesus because of his miraculous powers. They were offended by the fact that he had powers. So their attitude towards him was bitter because they did not see God. They did not see him as God. They saw him as man. Because they saw him as a poor guy from a poor family, they despised him. The attitude, you know, of the guy with the talent in the Bible. The Bible says God gave one five, he gave one two, and he gave one one. The man who had five made ten. The man who had two made four. Then when the master came to the one who had one, the man said, I know you are a master trying to reap from where you did not sow. So I kept your talent. The attitude towards the master was different because of the way he saw the master. You are trying to reap from what you did not sow, so I buried your talent. The way you see God will determine what God can do for you. How can we, or how we honor God as compared to people? I remember when I was growing up, 
My mother has this habit where every time she receives a promotion at the job site, she understood that the promotion was signed by her boss. So what does she do? She maybe buys a bunch of plantain and buys some wine and then go to the boss to go and thank the boss. But never did has the ICR any day going to church to give thanksgiving. Many of us have this same attitude. We know how to appreciate men. We bow, oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. But when we say, let us give thanks to God, that is when you reach out into your wallet and get your leftover change from Walmart and Costco to give it to God as thanksgiving. We have to honor God and see God the way he is. Hallelujah. People don't pray or act responsible towards God. Like you answer a call during your prayer. You are in the middle of a hot prayer and your phone rings. You actually stop the call. Say, God, hold on. Let me pick this call. God, hold on. God, God. You pause God. You go answer them. And who is calling? An old friend from primary school asking you how you're doing. And you stop your conversation with God to go answer the call. And you come back and continue the prayer. If you were in the pres presence of the governor of Virginia, will you pick a call? But while we are praying, some of us are praying and browsing. Father, thank you. Oh, this, this picture, fine. We like. In the middle of your prayers, we have no reverence for God. That's how we see God. Some people sit in church as the pastor is preaching. They are, they are browsing WhatsApp, sending messages, doing Facebook Live in the church. Because that is how you see God. When you see God as Lord, you will tremble before his presence. You come with respect. You come with honor. You know that you are before the greatest power in the universe. Hallelujah. You are always on time at your job. On time for doctor's appointments. On time for interviews, but every Sunday you are late. How do you see God? So you can, be, you can respect time everywhere else, but not in church. The way you see God, like I said, will shape your attitude towards God. If you see God with dignity, you respect God. You give him reverence. Hallelujah. I pray that today may your attitude about God change in the name of Jesus. Amen. May you start seeing God the way God wants you to see him. Amen. And number two, your attitude towards God's servants will change. Like I said, if you read verse 55 and 56, they despise Jesus. They say, is he not the carpenter's son? And they despise him. If people have no respect for God, they will have no respect for his servants. When you see people that respect men of God, it means they respect God. Because they understand these people were sent by God. People who don't fear God have no reverence for the servant of God. There is a difference between respect and reverence. I've explained these things several times. Respect has to do with maybe your age, right? For example, there are some people I can never call them sister. Because by age, they are old enough to be my mother. I give them that respect. I will call them mama, maybe mama Winifred, because... She's old enough to be my mother. I cannot call her sister. That is respect. But reverence is different from respect. Reverence is about position. Not about age. Not about class. It's about position. I may be the youngest in this place, but I'm your pastor. So when I say, all right, you say, that's small boy. No, I'm your pastor. So the reason why you rise is because I'm your pastor. You are not rising because you respect me. You're rising because you have reverence for me. Is somebody hearing me this morning? So, when you don't reverence men of God, you are also showing disrespect to God. Amen. I'm not saying this to command respect from anybody or reverence. What you do is your business. It is between you and God. But the truth is that whatever you do to a man of God, you're doing it to God. Because God sent them. 
If you attack the United States ambassador to Cameroon, you've attacked the United States. Is that true? So if you do something against the man of God, you've done nothing to God. One of our pastors in Cameroon, many of you may know him, uh, called Reverend Porto. He's very popular in Cameroon. He told a story about the fact that he, he was a man of God, used by God. And his direct elder sister was childless, married for many years without a child. And people would tell him, go to your brother to pray for us. And leave it. Who is Paul? Who needs to go and pray? Go to Paul can pray for me. And for several years in marriage, she could not have a child. And one day, after much conviction from the Lord, she decided to go to the brother and apologize. And say, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. You know, when you go to a place, and people are like, oh, man of God, welcome. Man of God, they say, Paul, how? How far? <laughs> no respect. No reverence. And that day she came, bought a bunch of plantain, brought some food, and said, I came to apologize for her disrespected for all these years. The brother said, kneel down. He said, if I be a man of God, receive your baby. One month after she was pregnant. She, the miracle was right in the family. But because she did not see the brother as a man of God, it could not attain her. What you picture, you capture. What you conceive, you receive. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Let your attitude towards men of God change. I used to tell people this. The fact that I'm friendly to you does not make me your friend. Is that clear to somebody? The fact that I'm friendly to you does not make me your friend. And I say this because there are people that I've met for the very first time that, oh, man of God, you know, man of God, they are like so respectful. Then after we start interacting, the attitude changes because now you become their friend. I'm not saying this because it's not bad to be friends. But anytime you become so familiar with a man of God, you reduce the possibility of receiving from that man. Because you start seeing that man in the flesh. But once you start to see him in the spirit, you will always receive whatever God has for you. Amen. No matter how anointed a man of God is, if you don't celebrate that man of God, you can't receive nothing from him. If you read the Bible, the Shunammite woman said to the husband, I perceive that this man is a man of God. I perceive. Elisha was passing there every day. But one day her eyes opened and she said, I perceive that this is a man of God. Let's make a room for him. And when they made a room, Elisha came and said, what can I do for this woman? And by prophecy, he said, by this time next year, you will conceive and have a child. And he came to pass just as he said. Listen, every child of God, let me tell you this, every child of God has a prophet assigned to you. I don't mean a prophet called prophet. You have a man of God assigned to you. Every child of God. Now ask your neighbor, who is your man of God? Ask your neighbor, who is your man of God? There is somebody that God has assigned to you that you can run to. You can call their phone and say, look, I'm in trouble. Pray for me. I need spiritual support. We all need spiritual backup somewhere. But if you are all hanging by yourself, you are like a lone ranger. When trouble comes, it will attack you. When you are around people that are prayerful, before something happens to you spiritually, they will see it. Hallelujah. They will see it. There are revelations I've seen about people that I never told them. I had to pray against it without even telling them. Because God knows the connection we have, if something happens to them, it's going to affect me. So God will show it to me because God knows if it happens to them, it affects me. Every child of God has a prophet assigned to them. And when God sends you your prophet, you don't know, you despise him. And then he walks away. 
The blessings are right there, but you, you can't receive because you don't know who God has sent you. Let me give you this example as I go forward. You will realize that we see less miracles in America than in Africa. Who has noticed that? When you watch TV, all the testimonies about healings from HIV and all these things happen more in Africa than in America. Why do you think is, why do you think is that? Because people in this culture have no reverence for men of God. You walk into a place, they hey Clement, how are you doing? They don't know you're a man of God. And so the anointing you don't respect cannot manifest in your life. If you go to Nigeria, 50% of all the men of God that are renowned in Nigeria come from one tribe, the Yoruba tribe. The people know how to respect. They know how, when they greet, they prostrate. And God is lifting them all up. But when you come to the other people that, like, I've traveled through Benin, through Togo, go to, went to Ghana. The moment I left West Africa, I mean Central Africa border, and I entered West Africa, the moment I mentioned to a policeman, I'm a pastor, they're like, man of God, they just do like this. But in Cameroon, nobody knows whether you are man of God or not. They despise you like nonsense. And if you look at the things that are happening in Ghana, in Nigeria, it's because of their reverence for God's servant. What you don't respect, you cannot attract. Hallelujah. I admonish you today, have respect for God's servants. Amen. If you perceive that God has sent somebody your way, respect them and don't take them lightly because it is what you respect that you're going to attract. Lastly, as we close, it is going to affect your attitude towards God. How you see God. The Bible says God, and he did, he did not do too many miracles. I mean, God, God's attitude towards you is going to be affected because in this text, because they saw Jesus not in his capacity as God, he did less miracles. What does that mean? Like I said, if you see God less, God will do less for you. If you take God serious, God will take you serious. I read a scripture in the Bible. We always say that, oh God, I thank you because even in my unfaithfulness, you are still faithful. But I read something in the Bible that suggests something different. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 18, Verse 25 to 26, it says, To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. To the devious or corrupt, you show yourself corrupt. Many of you are trying to do corruption with God. God will be corrupt towards you. You will call him, he won't answer. And you wonder why you pray and pray and fast, and the answers are not coming. Because you have no respect and reverence for God. When you take God serious, God will also take you serious. If you want to come, if you want God to come near to you, go near to God. Hallelujah. You want to be close to God, church you don't attend. Prayer you don't pray. Bible you don't read. You, don't, you, you stay on your own and yet you want to be close to God. If you want to be close to God, James chapter 4 verse 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Your attitude towards God will determine God's attitude towards you. If you want God to be serious with you this year, be serious with God. You cannot continue to act the same way you acted last year and expect things to change this year. You cannot expect more and do less. If you want more, do more. Hallelujah. If you want more, do more. Because it is what you sow that you reap. You cannot sow mangoes and reap oranges. What you sow is what you're going to reap. This year, as we continue to expect the great things that we've prayed in these 21 days. Let your attitude towards God change. Hallelujah. Amen. 
as you let your attitude towards God change. Have reverence for God. See God as everything. And that is why when we come before God, we come be with, to, to him with reverence because we understand that he's everything. Amen. What have we said this morning in conclusion? If we are going to see the supernatural manifestations of God, we have to see, we have to change the way we see God. Our attitude towards the servants must change. And our attitude towards God must change. I perceive that God is about to do something great for someone in this place. Amen. But you must change the way you see God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You must change the way you see God because God is up to something this year. Can we stand on our feet?